Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I don't have to tell you this by now, you know it takes a lot if you're a Georgian, you want to be a team the caliber of Clemson. And conversely, the same thing is true on the other side. If you're a Clemson, normally beating up on much weaker, much lesser stature programs in the ACC, to beat a team like Georgia, you're going to have a lot going for you, a lot moving in the same direction to be able to win a game like that. We talk about the talent, and that clearly matters. Both these teams have hoarded more than their fair share of elite NFL caliber prospects on the recruiting trail the last few years. You talk about coaches, and there are coaches on all sides of this game who are respected. Brent Venables, longtime defensive coordinator at Clemson. Dabo Sweeney has emerged as really, you know, one of the top upper list head coaches in the sport. Multiple national championships will get you into that category. Kirby Smart's right there as well. All the lists come out of best coaches in college football and uh, Smart is near the top, and his record against other coaches ranked near him is quite impressive too. Work hard to hire a guy like Todd Munkin. Obviously, Dan Lanning, a star on the rise as Georgia defensive coordinator. Just impressive coaches, talented players all over the place. But there's also something else that matters in a game like this. you got to have that leadership. And all those great coaches that I mentioned a moment ago, here's the thing they'll tell you, that obviously it's their job to lead their program. But over the course of a calendar year, starting in January or the really good teams who start in the years prior to any given year, developing players who can do the job of leadership so not everything is coming from the coaches. Player-led teams are just better than coach-led teams. Eventually, adults get tuned out, whether it's young people who are themselves basically adults tuning out you know, their coaches are younger than that there as well. The words of adults just eventually start to sound like the Charlie Brown teacher. Wah, 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 wah. But when it's a player who's sending that message, all of a sudden those words just pack an extra punch. They just carry a little bit of extra weight, whether it's spoken in a locker room or when maybe we get a, a glimpse of what might be spoken in a locker room, shared with us on social media there as well. A lot of you this week have been reacting and reflecting on what Georgia Safety Lewis Seen put on Instagram. Before I show this to you on the screen, let me just say this. I think it's really cool how that safety position for Georgia has become one of the spots where you look to see Georgia leadership. I mean, think about the way it started with J.R. Reed. And no one could have known that J.R. Reed, when he transferred from Tulsa, was going to end up years ago being as valuable for the Georgia defense as he became. But once he became that, he established a template where now you say, well, it'll be Richard LeCount's turn to slide into that role. And that's basically what LeCount did. Obviously, his senior season cut short by uh, uh, an injury, but but LeCount slid into that role that J.R. Reed was in. And then after LeCount, it became very easy to say, well, the baton is just going to get passed to Lewis Singh. Because the way that in which Seen carried himself off the field, going back to his time as a recruit, a lot of Georgia fans were very impressed with him. It's very easy to predict him seemingly to be a contributing player very early on in his career, and that's basically the way all that worked out. Sometimes it is just easy in terms of deciding who's going to be an impactful player and maybe who's not. In the case of Seen, he was quickly identified as one of those guys whose impact on Georgia from a tangible and intangible standpoint was going to be really high. And an example of that on Instagram, and 
if this is the stuff that Scene is saying in a locker room or the other leaders who kind of stand on a similar mantle to Scene, if this is what these Georgia players are saying ahead of a game against a Clemson, then boy, those of us who are fans of this program, those of us who have been hungry for Georgia to get a win like the one it has a chance to earn on Saturday, I think a lot of us are going to feel like that Georgia's in a really good place here. Let me read the words here from Scene on Instagram. I think it's inspiring. It's the kind of thing you want players who have the gravitas to be able to say. Here on Instagram, Scene says, and we're going back now a couple of days, he says, three days out, and I'd be lying if I said I wasn't excited. We are completely, all caps here, locked in, and something feels different. We're different, and this Saturday the world's going to see the difference. Get ready, uh, UGA Nation, because, and he uh, played on his own name here, says we're back on the scene, and he spells it C-I-N-E. Man, you could unpack all those words and spend 20 minutes doing so. But it is a big stage. And frankly, I do want the Georgia players to be excited. I do want – it's like for those of you you know who you know, kind of th- you know, think about other sports, things like that, the, the, the concept in basketball of I want guys who want the ball, you know, uh, the infielder in Little League Baseball who wants the ball hit to him, he wants to make the play. Like I want Georgia football players who want the ball going into Saturday. I want Georgia football players like Lewisine that says, I'm excited because the entire country is going to be watching this game on Saturday night. And yes, there's more college football to be played all throughout the weekend, but nobody disputes. Main event anywhere in America is Georgia Clemson from Charlotte. Everybody's going to be watching, and somebody gets a chance to make a name for themselves. And frankly, I'm glad that Lewisine says, I want that to be me. I want the world of college football fans to know who I am by the end of this game. And the fact that he's pushing his Georgia teammates in that same direction I think that's great. Listen, I understand why coaches have to say, oh, this is just one game out of 12, one game at a time, no bigger than any other game we play. I understand why coaches say that, but frankly, that kind of hollow coach speak is one of the reasons why the coach's message eventually wears thin on the players because the players deep down just simply know it isn't true. What Lewis seen there said, that's what rings true. We do feel different. We are excited. We are looking forward to this big stage. These are the kinds of things you dream of. Because if you didn't want to play in games like this, it'd be a lot easier to go to another program where you could start as a freshman and get your name in the program and be on the you know cover of the media guide. It's easier other places. But players choose to do what's hard because they crave the kind of attention that comes on the other side of big games like this. And I think Lewisine here is terrific. Really strong words from him. It's powerful leadership. And to the extent that those same kinds of things are being said by Scene and other players at practice this week in the locker room before the game, y'all better get ready for Saturday. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. And with that in mind, let me transition to this. So I mentioned that on Thursday afternoon I had a chance to be a part of a phone call that ESPN analyst Kirk Herbstreit was on. And yesterday on the show, we kind of played you some of the audio from that, Herbstreit breaking down the Georgia offense. Herb Street breaking down the Georgia defense, and those are all really important conversations, right? Because ultimately, a football game is decided by football players and how those players are deployed by the coaches, and we get all of that. But it's also important, I think, to have an appreciation of the magnitude of the game. The magnitude of this game is what makes Lewisine say the things that he says on social media and probably saying similar things like that uh, in person with his teammates before the game, that this is a big game. And I thought that Kirk Herb Street this week did a really good job of laying out the stakes for the game. This is not an exhibition. This is not, what is it, the soccer guys talk about? This is not a friendly. This is not one of those deals where everybody's going to pose for pictures and trade jerseys after the game's over. 
Georgia and Clemson are both playing for something. And it is, yes, it is possible for the loser of this game to still make the college football playoff. But you should know that is not the likely scenario. The loser of this game is probably not going to the college football playoff. Can they still? Yes. And if Georgia is unfortunately on the wrong side of that, then we'll obviously spend several weeks talking about how Georgia gets back into that. But make no mistake about this. The loser of this game on Saturday puts themselves in a tough spot because they eliminate from the word go whatever margin for error they had as far as making the college football playoff is concerned. And when Kirk Herbstreit spoke to me and some other reporters here earlier, earlier this week, he talked about the game he's broadcasting, and he explained in his own words why he thinks it's so important. This is Kirk Herbstreit on Georgia Clemson. For people that look at this game and think, well, you know, it's early in the year, it, you know, you can lose this game and recover, all true. The only thing I would throw out there is a reminder that both these teams have a pretty good chance, no matter what the result is, of winning a lot of games. Potentially, a lot of people are predicting both these teams to get into the top four or be right around the top four. It, it especially I say this for Clemson because they don't have a lot of top 25 opponents uh, coming up after they play Georgia. They got maybe one or two, but not a lot. You lose this game if you're Clemson and then you get, you win out and you win the ACC. And let's just say for argument's sake, Georgia wins the East and they go to Atlanta and they lose a close one to Alabama. And now we're starting to look at the committee. One of the words that they use is cluster. They look at a cluster of teams how do they separate clusters within this committee? They, they either look at conference champion, they look at head-to-head, things like that, uh, and strength of schedule. But head-to-head would apply to the Clemson-Georgia matchup. So think about Kirk Kerbstreet's words there for a moment. We played audio earlier this week, leaked of Brenton Venables hosting linebacker Justin Flo in a recruiting visit. Venables supposedly says in that video, that we're keeping track, remember him saying that, of the fact that Georgia hasn't won a national championship since 1980, Clemson had won a couple, and Venables was using that as part of his recruiting pitch, supposedly to Justin Flo in this video. Kirk Herbstreet says right there that Georgia can knock Clemson out of the playoff discussion on Saturday night, at least have a strong chance of doing so. Wouldn't you like to do that? Wouldn't you like to shut up Brent Venables so he's not using, you know, George's name in his mouth when he's trying to sell Clemson as a program in the recruiting trail wouldn't you like to shut that up for all these Clemson fans who think their program's so big and so bad because they've been dragging Wake Forest up and down fields or Boston College up and down fields or Duke or NC State or whatever the team that that Clemson's supposedly playing wouldn't you like to take them down a peg wouldn't you like to kick them out of the playoff before the season basically even starts that's what George is playing for on Saturday and yeah, Clemson would like to do the same thing to Georgia. And you know, maybe Georgia's path is a little bit easier because obviously the SEC provides the extra cachet. But make no mistake about it, college football is a zero-sum game. Good things for you mean bad things for somebody else. So when Georgia reaches out and grabs this game on Saturday, if it does, not only is it putting money in its own pocket, figuratively speaking, but it's taking food off the table of the Clemson Tigers to mix metaphors here. And Kirk Herbstreit lays it out pretty clearly right there. I'm going to let you hear more from Kirk on the same topic. So if you're Clemson and you lose this game, it puts you on the back burner, I, in my view, based on what the committee's done in recent years. And I think that would that would give uh, Clemson fans a little bit of anxiousness about this game. They need to win this game. Even though it's week one, you do not want to get caught up in a cluster against Georgia and have the committee say, well, they lost to these guys early in the year so. 
we're going to give Georgia the advantage. I love that phrase there, back burner. Right now, Clemson's been on the front burner. They've been in every college football playoff since 2015. Uh, they've beaten Auburn in a home-and-home home during that time. They've beaten Texas A&M in a home-and-home home that time. But this is Georgia's chance to put them on the back burner. This is Georgia's chance to put itself on the front burner. This is Georgia's chance to say, hey, you know, all that stuff that's been said about us since 1980, that's ancient history. In 2021, Georgia is on the march. And the first step towards that journey begins Saturday night in Charlotte against Clemson. I think Kirk Herbstreit says it great right there. Georgia can take something from Clemson, earn it for itself. I cannot wait for Saturday night. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented by Kroger and Glad to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., on the Dog Nation homepage, Dog Nation app, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, uh, probably other platforms, too, that I don't even know about. However you're watching us right now, I really appreciate you doing it. Podcast, Apple, Spotify, uh, Google for all you Android folks out there. Uh, some of you listen right there on SoundCloud. We post the show at dognation.com, and if you listen right there, and... Of course, our friends on the radio, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref. Good to have all of you with us today. Big thanks to our friends at Kroger for making it all possible. Of course, uh, our folks from Kroger are going to be with us for Dog Nation Invasion, too. Because, listen, when you're having a fun tailgate, you got to bring the food with you as well. you got to bring the beverages. And we get stocked up for our tailgates around here at Kroger. And you can do the same thing there as well. You can save on hot dogs right now, uh, hardwood smoked baby back ribs. That's a fantastic thing we actually did a i'm not supposed to say this but we did a, a cool like video shoot with kroger the other day for some stuff we're going to be doing later on and uh uh the, the terrific chef from kroger was making some like special ribs man it was so good so you can get some of that kind of stuff at kroger right now all the stuff you need for your tailgating uh you can get that at kroger and you can save instantly when you use your kroger plus card and you can get fuel points there too so check out kroger the one closest to you as we head towards the weekend for all of that game day on Saturday, get stocked up, get your game face on, because it is time to get going. All right, we are very, very busy on today's show. Jeff Sintel is coming up. And I want to look at Georgia Clemson from a recruiting standpoint, and not just like the the symbolic stuff of, hey, if you win the game, what does that show to future recruits? Although I, I can think of a few by name that are probably watching pretty closely on Saturday, but also for like the guys who are going to be there. We, we've heard lots of internet chatter, online chatter this week about guys who plan on being in Charlotte for the game. So that's always a really fun thing to do. So we'll do a lot of that with Jeff Sintel. Also, I think I mentioned this to some of our video folks before too. We got some of the best golden shoe submissions we've ever gotten. I'm talking about like NFT quality video work here, uh, you know, edit work here for some of this kind of stuff. So at the end of the show, we're just going to like put a bunch of this stuff on the screen, have a good time with it, and and just try to put ourselves in a happy, good mood as we wrap up the week and get ready to get serious about football all weekend long. Of course, I'll see you tonight, Peachtree TV, CBS46.com, for a terrific game between Alatoona and Kennesaw Mountain, two great programs in that Cobb County area, uh, doing big-time battle. Obviously, we're supposed to be doing Gunnar Stockton and Raven County against Eagles Landing Christian Academy. Had to pivot quickly away from that, as a lot of folks are doing this time of our lives in these uh, years that we're in. But Alatoona and Kennesaw Mountain going to be a good one tonight on TV. Now, for now, let's keep our attention on Georgia Clemson. Let's, let's do so by going around the doghouse, delivered today by our friends at Marco's Pizza. And, of course, Marco's Pizza is a great choice when you're thinking about getting all the food that you need to get through. Remember, remember y'all, we had football that started on Wednesday with UAB, uh, Tennessee, Ohio State, teams like that playing last night. I believe tonight is UNC, Virginia Tech. Am I right about that? Um, 
so for UNC, which is supposed to be a big season, they got to go to Lane Stadium, Blacksburg, full crowd, inner Sandman. Uh, Hokies catching about, what, five at home? So uh, y'all get ready for that one on a Friday night there. And then, obviously, all day Saturday. I think Notre Dame, Florida State is Sunday. Monday, back in Atlanta for Ole Miss, Louisville. So, you're going to need to order plenty of Marco's Pizza because that is a big, big weekend of football that's on the way. But let me keep my attention where it's supposed to be, on Georgia Clemson here for a moment. And much the same way a moment ago I let you hear from Kirk Kerbstreet really laying it out. You know, Georgia has a chance to put Clemson in the back burner. You know, for those of us who like professional wrestling, Georgia can turn this into a loser leaves town with Clemson when it comes to its college football playoff credentials. I, I like that. I mean, I think these teams are playing for something on Saturday. They come in rivals. They may leave even more so than that based on how the paint gets traded on uh, Saturday night. And to his credit, Dabo Sweeney, a guy that we're not really giving a lot of credit to this week for obvious reasons, but to his credit, I think Dabo Swinney kind of understands this there as well. Not just the importance in this season for these two teams on the shortest of short lists for, for championship contention, but also for those of us who were you know children in the 80s who grew up when Georgia Clemson was as big as it got for the dogs from a rivalry standpoint. Dabo Swinney kind of understands all that there as well and the way in which the geographic proximity plays into this discussion. Here's some good stuff on this game from Dabo Swinney earlier this week. I mean, it just you know makes sense. I mean, you're you're right down the road from each other, and I mean, we've played big opponents for 12 years since I've, I've been the head coach here. That's kind of what we've done. We've gone all the way out to A&M. Uh, we've gone to Auburn. Uh, we we've done a couple of kickoff classic type things now, so it brings a lot of excitement to it, and certainly the fans love it. Uh, anytime you play a, a, a quality opponent uh, like we've played over the years, but Clemson, Georgia is not just a quality game and quality opponent. It's it's a there's a, a tradition there that I th- and a history that I think both sides you know have a lot of respect uh, for. There's been a lot of unbelievable moments um, in in the Clemson, Georgia game you know over the years. Let me say something about what Dabo says there, and I think that Georgia fans will appreciate this. We say all the time, that, listen, you want Georgia to play in big games. The players that come here want to play in big games. But there's actually something maybe a little bit better than that, and Dabo Swinney, I think, describes it. As a Georgia fan, you want your team, Georgia, you want Georgia to be somebody's big game, right? And Dabo Swinney right there gives Georgia a pretty nice compliment if you really listen to those words. He says, we played the Auburns, we played the Texas A&Ms, but this one just feels different. We've done the kickoff classic type stuff before, but not top five versus top five in Charlotte with the place painted half red, half orange, and these two fan bases, you know, taking over these parking lots before the game, Dog Nation Invasion Tailgate, and everything else is going to be going on there. This one just feels different. Clemson's won national championships, but it views Georgia as a big game. That's kind of cool, right? You want to play in the game, but you want to be somebody's big game. The presence of a stature of Georgia, the fan base that comes with it, the media attention that comes with it, the, the TV audience that follows it. A program like Clemson looks across the field at Georgia and says, this is the kind of opponent we need if we want to play in the biggest possible game. And I think that's a pretty cool thing. And credit to Dabo Sweeney there as well. An interesting story by how he explains all this for the fact that he appreciates the long-standing history. We know Kirby Smart does because we've played you the audio of that before. But Dabo Swinney also appreciating the long history these two programs have 
with each other and how quickly into his tenure as Clemson head coach that Dabo discovered just how true that is. Once again, good stuff from Dabo. I remember when I got the job in, in 08, 09, I mean, people were talking about playing uh, Georgia in 2013. I remember that vividly. Uh, like, like, oh, we're going to play Georgia. It was like, we got, I don't even know if I'm going to be the head coach or alive in 2000. I'm just trying to survive 09. And people are asking me about playing Georgia in 2013. So it's a big deal. It means a lot. You, you, you know, your, your proximity, uh, fan bases, you know, living on top of each other in both states, Clemson people, Georgia people. Uh, so I think that just adds to, to the excitement. It's just a, it's what makes college football, you know, fun is, is rivalries uh, like this. I mean, it's the closest I'll come to giving Dabo a compliment, but he gets it, right? This is what makes college football fun. It's rivalries. It's the butterflies in your stomach of how's my team going to play in this big stage and, you know, begrudging respect for your opponent. I mean, this is what makes it, right? I mean, this is the stuff we kind of live for as sports fans a little bit, and sports doesn't always give us an equal measure. This is one of those moments, and frankly, I'm glad that Dabo has the appreciation for the game that he has because I think he's 100% true in the way that he describes that, and I can't wait for those of you who are lucky enough to be there I can't wait to see all of you in Charlotte here over the course of the weekend. That is Around the Doghouse. It's delivered today by our friends at Marco's Pizza. And, you know, if you're home watching football this weekend, and if you're like me, like the one thing I can't have is fussy food during a time like this. It's got to be easy to get. With Marco's Pizza, that's the one thing they'll always be able to do for you each and every time. Whether you're ordering at Marco's.com or on the Marco's app, you're going to be able to either have it delivered right there to your door, you can swing into the store and pick it up. That's what Marco's Pizza is. It's great-tasting, authentic flavor pizza that you don't have to work very hard to get. It can be delivered right there to you if you want to. Also great savings there as well. How about the bundle right now, which includes a large one-topping pizza, a pizza bowl, which is essentially the pizza flavor without the crust. That's a very, very good thing. And the cheesy bread, it's all just $21.99. Great savings on that. Marco's app, marcos.com to order. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it, and you can get it this weekend there as well when you stop by marcos.com or the Marco's app to place your order today. Of course, participation does vary, so check your local store for more details on all of that. But it's great to have Marco's Pizza delivering around the doghouse to us here today. All right, fun golden shoes before we're done. Look around the SEC, including an old friend of the SEC who made his debut at UCF last night and the start of the Josh Heupel era there at uh, Tennessee. Tennessee fans hoping that the Hypo era doesn't become a Hypo error because I don't think they can quite afford another bad coach, but they may have one on their hands. We'll wait and find out. We'll talk about all of what happened already this weekend involving the SEC later on and a little bit of a look ahead of the other games there as well. But for now, when you think about all of the recruiting implications of a game like Georgia and Clemson, what's on the line here and how a win like this also propels Georgia for future success on the recruiting trail. Let's break it all down with Jeff Sintel, our recruiting insider, no better person to do him, uh, do that with than him as we go on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel before we all get on the road to Charlotte tomorrow. Hope you enjoy it right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. And we'll say hello to Jeff Sintel here. And, you know, Jeff, it's fun to hear the various figures involved in the game, whether it's, uh, you know, a Kirk Herbstreet, a Dabo Sweeney. Obviously, we've heard plenty from Kirby Smart over the course of the last months about this. You know, there are just certain games that, that just feel different. And 
I would say this is definitely one of those as a sports fan myself across all sports, but certainly specifically college football. You just know it when you when you're a part of it. There's butterflies in your stomach as a fan. There's the, there there's energy about how it's all going to unfold. We've all had opinions about this now going back really more than a year, and now it's finally here. And I'm sure you are as excited for it as I am. Uh, Brandon, I, I think the word is ecstatic. I tell you what, brother, you got me pumped up, man. It sounded like you had like pay-per-view stakes chairs in this game. I heard you talking about taking food off the table. I heard you mentioning back burners. All I needed was a, a NASCAR reference and then maybe a 1990s movie cliche. And then the Brandon Adams big game bingo board would have been filled up, man. I wouldn't even need the free space. No, I like that. And but, but Jeff, you know this. We, we played some video earlier this week. Supposedly, Brent Venables hosting Justin Flo in a recruiting visit, and the whole they hadn't won a national championship since 1980. Like, I, I'm not scandalized by negative recruiting. I know that it goes on, and frankly, I don't get my feelings hurt very easily. But I do want to shut it up when I can, right? You know, I, I want to eliminate ways in which programs can negatively recruit against Georgia and I do truly believe that a win for Georgia in a game like this with obviously more games to come later on but a win like this head-to-head I just think it shuts some of that kind of stuff up and I do think whether it's immediately reflected in 2022 class or not I do think it gives Georgia a higher pedestal from which to recruit in the future from that standpoint I think the game very much matters yeah I think I think I think Brandon. I think the thing there is this is one of those games that has like a ripple or a fault line effect because you know maybe the 2022 cycle is is everybody's kind of kind of going down their plinko route which they're supposed to go down on the on the big game board. But brother, I'll tell you that 2023 cycle. Um, you know, I think what's fascinating about this neutral site game is they're actually like there's like a Clemson section where recruits from Clemson are getting tickets, and then there's a Georgia section where recruits on the Georgia side are getting tickets, and it's interesting to see how, like, the party lines are forming for a lot of guys, like, that really love both Clemson and Georgia, like a Justice Haynes or A.J. Harris. Uh, I was just um, speaking to Ruben Ruben Owens recently. That's the brilliant five-star back out of Texas in the 2023 cycle. He's going to be there. He's going to be in the Georgia section. Um, you know, all, all the luminaries of the 2022 class, the Delts, the Stocktons, but I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of big in-state or regional battles with guys that Georgia has had a foothold with for some time. And, you know, Clemson's right there knocking at the door with them too. And I'm going to tell you this, the direction and the potential brilliance of Georgia's 2023 class, I'd say about a year out, I thought it was probably going to be the best class Georgia has ever had under Kirby Smart. And I, I know we always say that, but the reason why I was thinking that at that time is Georgia never really kind of had the bona fide guys that were just really going to come on strong and be a part of that class eventually that early with so many big names like they did, like, like it looked like the way 2023 was trending. And of course, everything changes every two months in the recruiting world. But at that stage, it was a pretty stout group that was already forming for Georgia. But the way that, you know, Clemson can take a lot of teeth out of that Georgia class is to play well and to put down the dogs in, in Charlotte. Uh, and that'll, that'll, that'll cause a little bit of doubt or a little bit of, wow, where's the best program at? Where do I need to go? Maybe, maybe Clemson is right. But I, I, will, add a, I will add a cool footnote, Brandon. 
um, for everybody that wants to know about uh, the recruiting world and the recruiting arena. Um, if Venables, you know, you had the video with it, that speech he had or that pitch he had to Justin Flo, well, not a, not a lot of that negative recruiting works out a lot. Um, normally when you badmouth an opponent, um, uh, that just really makes yourself look bad. Anybody that's in sales knows that when you, when you take that, when you take down the competition, what happens is, uh, it also doesn't make, make yourself looking good in the long run. And we all know where Justin Flo ended up. He didn't end up in Death Valley. Yeah, that's a really good point there on that. Explain this to me for a moment. So, obviously, when it comes to Georgia-Florida, both sides have mutually agreed not to host recruits for a game like that. But I remember, you know, games that Georgia's played in Atlanta in the past and, you know, frankly, other programs there too. Alabama comes to mind where, okay, so the recruit buys the ticket and he gets in the game that way, but he's nothing more than an attendee of the game. He's not, you know, he's not taking – I'm using air quotes here. He's not taking a visit. It sounds like the scenario for Georgia and Clemson and Charlotte is different. Why is it different? I'll admit I'm not very well-versed when it comes to rules in this particular thing here, but why is the game in Charlotte from a recruiting standpoint seemingly so different than what we've had experience for a lot of these teams who come through Atlanta in the past? Well, it's still going to be like like a recruiting visit was, I guess, last year during the pandemic. Um, it's a fan-only experience. You're not going to be hosted at all. You're not going to be taken down on the sidelines, obviously, with a lot of the protocols in place. But, I mean, the other thing there was you got to remember that, you know, Georgia-Florida is kind of like a, a conference game, and the two teams kind of agree on the way that thing's going to be run throughout the years. And quite frankly, I think most of them kind of look at most, – most times most staffs kind of look at that as, hey, we're here to win this football game that's huge for the SEC East. And maybe not, not, be, not be hosting recruits, but it, it is interesting how – you know, there's an allotment of tickets where they'll be sitting around Georgia folks, and there's an allotment of tickets where they'll be sitting around Clemson folks. Um, and it's funny, Brandon, I, I, this is an easier ticket to me for a lot of these big-time recruits to get. You know, you wonder about the, the secondary market and how big, you know, you know, how much of a hot ticket this is. I mean, I know a lot of recruits that are bringing brothers, sisters, moms, everybody else like that to this game. Um, and you're going to see a lot of guys showing up. A lot of guys in the 2023 classes, the 2024 classes, are showing up for a game like this. So there will be a lot of interested, uh, leaned-in bystanders for this one on Saturday. Yeah, the get-in price right now is less than $200. Really, it's basically less than 150 I mean, so, like, the current – now, you can obviously, you know, spend big money and sit all, all across the stadium, uh, you know, depending on where you want to be and spend more money to do so. But if you're looking at a get-in price right now – uh, it, it's less than $150 to actually get in the stadium here at this point in time. But once again, not to put too fun of a point on this because it probably doesn't matter that much, but so Georgia and Clemson can give tickets to recruits right now, or do, those tickets, or do the recruits have to buy those tickets at this moment? I think it's the latter, Brandon. I mean, it's, you, you get to sit in a Georgia section. I know, I know these recruits, these tickets had to be requested weeks ago. I know some players that, that were like, you know, I promised them I would come two or three weeks ago, uh, three or four weeks ago. So I'm going to I'm gonna make sure I come and sit in their section, you know, because a lot of these guys have crossover recruits. I'm sure both recruits were trying to – I mean, both, <clears throat> both recruiting staffs were trying to get both um, – you know, both – there's a player that was most wanted by both staffs. And it's, it's interesting to see where, where some of these guys will be sitting on Saturday, whether they're going to be in the 
orange and white section or orange and purple in section or in the red and black section. Yeah, and with that in mind, I mean, rattle off some of the names that you can confirm are going to be there, rumored to be there. You mentioned Justice Haynes a moment ago. That's a really interesting kind of subplot of, as you said, like what side do certain guys like that sit on? Of course, I think a lot of folks hope a UGA legacy like that will be in the red and black portion of the stadium. But just for some specific names, I mean, I've heard online chatter, for instance, about Walter Nolan and you know others. Yeah. You know, who, who, who can you say will be there on Saturday or at least is expected to be there? Like Walter Nolan, that's one. Um, you know, uh, Justice Haynes, A.J. Harris will be there. I got confirmation from that family that the five-star corner in the 2023 class will be there. Big Bear, Big Bear Alexander told me this week that he's going to be there. I think we've all already reported on various channels that Oscar Delp and uh, Gunnar Stockton are both going to be there. Christian Miller, um, C.J. Madden, Kyan Lee. Um, it's funny. This is kind of how tickets are going. This is a great example. Is you know C.J. is going. He's going with his some members of his family. See, uh, same thing for Christian Miller. The same thing with Kai and Lee, and those guys are all like teammates on the St. Cedar Grove team that are going to be playing in Moultrie tonight against Colquitt County. And um, a lot of these guys are making the trip. You keep going down the list. I think Andre Green Jr. will be there. I think he's going to be a, a visitor on the Clemson side. That's the fabulous wide receiver out of uh, out of Virginia. Um, you keep going up and down the list. There's a lot of big names. You know, some guys have you know, like a national schedule. Um, where, where, where a school like IMG usually is playing on the weekend or they're traveling over the weekend, IMG Academy out of Bradenton. But there's a lot of Jacob Hood, the, the recent um, Georgia commitment, the six foot eight, 330-pounder uh, out of Nashville is going to be there. Um, you know, Sammy Brown, a, a guy that's already a 2024 recruit standing out with um, averaging 18.5 yards per carry and over like, 230 yards already with about 10 tackles at linebacker. That's a 2024 top 10 recruit that's going to be there. Levius Overton, LT Overton. Really, Brennan, it's more of a matter for me of like I'm at the point now where there's a there's a big luminary, a big highly rated guy um, that's not going to be there. That's what kind of raises my eyebrows more when I hear about a guy that's not going to be there. Some folks are going to choose to, to see the Alabama-Miami game because it's Maybe they have Alabama on their mind as well, and they're and maybe that's closer to Georgia. Uh, but there's a lot of guys that are going to be there on that be there in that game, and and I don't really know. I know that everybody loves to see the list about who's going to show up, but for me, they're going to be watching the game. They're going to be sensing. They're going to be soaking it all up. They're going to be watching the team on the sidelines. Most recruits tell me the best benefit they get from being at a big game like this is watching their position group and watching how their coach kind of marshals and galvanizes their guys and their position group during a big game because that's going to be a replica or a reality for them about what it's going to be like if they choose to play for that coach and on that team in a big spot in a big game like this. They like to see how the players respond. They like to see the adjustments, the way the guys warm up, kind of little things like that. But I think it's a, I think it's a shuttered experience when you don't get to go into the locker room afterward or you don't get a dog walk or a tiger walk or you don't get to actually be out on the field watching them warm up and then maybe a, a Kendall Milton and Keely Ringo comes by and daps you up and everything else like that. I think it's an experience, but it's not the full-blown uh, game day visit experience where I think where I think recruiting staffs make a lot of headway with. Along those lines, I'm not quite sure how far the drive from Ohio to Charlotte is. My guess is Bishop Sycamore also going to have a large contingent on hand for the game as well. 
I, th- I think I think Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> did you hear the new recruits they got? They brought in some of the team squad um, that that just recently lost to LeBron James sure. in their latest matchup. I mean, that story is certainly taking on a life of its own over the last couple of days. And I'm gonna say this, Brandon, playing in that game and all this national exposure. Uh, it's going to do more good for that brand, provided that they still have a brand after the Ohio Department of Education is through with it. I think that's going to do more do more help than harm for the Bishop Sycamore name, because that's going to that's going, they've got a lot of free free publicity out of this man. Yeah, there. So that is certainly true. Speaking of publicity, a guy we've given a lot of attention to is Barry Alexander. I want to ask you more about him. Coming up in a moment. Before that, let me remind you, we're on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel. And obviously, we have fun talking about football, but there are serious things that we all have to think about away from the show and away from the game that we all love. And one of those things is how we take care of our children and support our families. And that also includes what happens after we're gone. And that's where life insurance comes in. If you haven't thought about life insurance, you need to make sure that you have. And the thing I want you to specifically think about is AAA, because AAA can help simplify the conversation when it comes to uh, life insurance. Listen, uh, one of the AAA Financial Services Associate can walk you through all of it, all the options that you have available. I mean, you may not be aware of this, but nearly half of all U.S. households would feel the financial impact after just six months if uh, they lost the primary wage earner. That's kind of uh, how serious this is. That's why you need life insurance, and that's why you need to think about AAA for that life insurance. Of course, there's a few ways you can get in touch. Uh, give them a call, 866-695-0222. Once again, that number, 866-695-0222, or AAA.com slash life. That's AAA.com slash life. Another simple way to do this is just stop by a AAA office and talk to somebody in person about all of that today. So, Jeff, it looks like Big Bear Alexander had a little bit of an interesting announcement over the course of the last couple of days, previewing an eventual announcement coming up early January as part of the Under Armour All-American game. Sounds like that's when the world will find out whether it's Georgia or Texas A&M for Big Bear. Yeah, that was an announcement drop. He's going to do it um, for the Under Armour All-American game. Brennan, I think that's good news for Georgia folks that are invested in this recruitment. It certainly seems the way the Walter Nolan recruitment is going up and down. Uh, Travis Shaw is certainly sounding like he is the Pied Piper now of the North Carolina class now that he's a commitment. Um, I think Big Bear Alexander is that marquee guy, along with a – I'm going to throw the name Hero Canoe in there, and I'm also going to throw the name uh, Christian Miller in there as well. Maybe – Maybe not the same type player across those different types of defensive tackles, but, um, you know, everybody thought, you know, Georgia visit, A&M visit in June, quick decommitment, uh, kept going back to Georgia, but also kept going back to uh, Texas A&M. Uh, everybody thought maybe it's just an eventuality. They see Dayon Bowie commit to Texas A&M, and most, of, most folks I talked to were kind of thinking, okay, when is the other shoe going to drop with Bear Alexander? Well, this thing's going to go a long way. He was at Georgia at the end of July. Uh, he is going to be at Georgia for this event. I expect him to come back and see Georgia at least one or two more times inside Sanford Stadium before he makes his decision. So this kind of takes all the, I guess, the pressure and all the, the, the time stamp element away from this recruitment. He can take it a long way, a long way like we've seen a lot of guys do. Uh, he plans to be an, an early enrollee, or kind of like one of those things that will have to be, as we've seen so, repeated so many times now with the Keely Ringos and Tyreek Stevensons of the world where uh, they make their decision on and they maybe they sign on during the early signing period. It all stays hush-hush, 
and then the decision is revealed before the world on national TV for the Under Armour All-American game. I think that final two obviously is going to stay a final two, and it's just going to be an example of, hey, you, you win you win impressively in Clemson. You win about 14, 13 games uh, in 2021. Uh, that does nothing but build a case there for Georgia, which I expect will be a tight, hard-fought battle there between uh, Texas A&M and Georgia for Big Bear Alexander. Yeah, in all seriousness, we can finish with this. I mean, to go from Texas to Charlotte for a football game is not a passive decision. So in a roundabout way, it's got to mean something that he's willing to travel that far to come watch the game, especially given the fact that he is you know, not considering Clemson at the moment based on his own words. I mean, that's got to mean something for Georgia, doesn't it? I think it means a great deal. Uh, I think it's another chance for Georgia to sell itself. Uh, and it, it's almost like this is a point in the recruitment where I think the recruit is looking for looking for the reason to say yes or looking for the reason they can't pass up. Uh, I know Bear Alexander has a ton of relationships at the University of Georgia. Uh, fairly to say here, I think he has more relationships at the University of Georgia than he does at Texas A&M. Of course, there's the home state thing there. There's name, image, and likeness being a son of the state of Texas if he chooses to go play for the Aggies. It seems like Texas A&M is just throwing around um, a lot of a lot of financial health lately with that new deal that uh, Jimbo Fisher just got, um, and uh, it seems like the coffers are quite full in College Station. So, man, I, Brandon, I think this is a recruitment that Georgia fans need to pay attention to. I think it is a recruitment fan a recruitment that Georgia fans need to put that maybe that candle in the window and kind of kind of hope for the best with Big Bear Alexander because I think. Both staffs want him really well. I think Bear Alexander would be a great asset to the University of Georgia should he come. I was talking to Gunnar Stockton about him recently. Those two guys are really good friends. They hung out together this summer. Uh, Gunnar would love to have Bear, Big Bear Alexander in the class, probably probably almost just as much as Kirby Smart or Trey Scott would love to have uh, Big Bear Alexander in this class as well. Jeff, really good stuff. Looking forward to being with you in Charlotte for Dog Nation Invasion. What a fun party that's going to be leading up to the game. Hopefully we're still partying come Saturday night after the game. Uh, great time all the way around. Fantastic re- recruiting information. I'm also looking forward to seeing you tonight for what I think is going to be a terrific battle between Alatoona and Kennesaw Mountain there on Peachtree TV. we got big-time college prospects on both sides for that game. That's going to be a ton of fun. So we'll spend a lot of time together over the course of the next couple of days. A lot of football involved with it there, too. And I'm looking forward to it all, and I'm sure you are as well. Yeah, man, can't wait. Safe travels to everybody to Charlotte. Uh, let's all uh, get up there and have a good old time. Sounds good, Jeff. We'll see you then. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, really good stuff with Jeff Sintel there. Very, very interesting recruiting information on this Georgia-Clemson game kind of impacts the 2022 class, including the guys who are going to be there. Good information all the way around on that. By the way, speaking of the party and Dog Nation invasion this weekend, one of the things that's going to be flowing is the Classic City Lager. I love Classic City Lager because I like taking a taste of Athens with me everywhere I go. Of course, you don't have to be in the Classic City to enjoy it. It's available in 6- and 12-pack cans all year long wherever you're doing your shopping. It's kind of funny. Uh, one of our guys, BJ, who's obviously behind the scenes working to make Dog Nation Invasion a success and really tirelessly working in all of that, he sent me a picture yesterday, big, you know, uh, truck that's kind of on its way up there to get stocked for the tailgate this thing's loaded down with classic city lager and uh, it's, it's awesome man I, th- those cans are going to be flowing tomorrow everybody's going to be having a good time and you know there was not much tailgating last year in fact there was really none at all 
Uh, but to think that, you know, with folks doing what they need to do to make themselves healthy and safe, we're able to enjoy that tomorrow. I feel quite grateful on all that, and I'm glad the Classic City Lager is going to be flowing as we're doing it. Check yourself out some if you haven't. It's just good cold beer. Find some today wherever you're doing your shopping from Creature Comforts Brewing Company, wherever you're going, wherever you're shopping, 12 months out of the year, you can pick up 6- and 12-pack cans of Classic City Lager. Make sure you check some of that out. It is good cold beer. All right, a couple of SEC through stories, and most of this kind of reflecting back on what happened last night in college football. First of all, Josh Heupel did earn his debut in a 38-6 win for Tennessee against Bowling Green. Not a cover, though, if you uh, care about that. Just shy of covering Kentworth the Vols last night. But you did see some things from Joe Milton that you obviously like. Milton's clearly got a big arm. He's clearly a good athlete. And the early stages against, uh, I mean, Bowling Green is terrible. This is a, uh, obviously a totally overmatched team. But in the early stages of that game, you saw, you know, Tennessee moving the football a little bit. I, I truly believe that Tennessee is one of the safest underplays in all of college football. Their season win total was six. They got one last night. Uh, they need, you know, six more to, to cover that number. I don't think they get there. But the one thing I do think you will see, though, is, you saw this last night, scoring some points, moving the football. It was interesting to talk to Tony Barnhart on SEC Country Live earlier this week because I told him, I said, listen, Tony, if I was Heupel, I'd want to build around the future. I'd want to make Harrison Bailey my starting quarterback. Of course, you remember him as a former big-time recruit from Marietta High School. I'd want to make a guy like Bailey my quarterback so that I can have something in place that I can grow into for the next couple of years. And what Tony relayed on SEC Country Live was that the people he had talked to in Knoxville had said, that Milton made it obvious during practice. There was no doubt that Milton was the better quarterback right now. Now, Tony also said that they still see a big role for Bailey in the future. Good luck convincing him of that, I would say. But nonetheless, Milton apparently made it obvious that he was the quarterback. They scored some points last night. And now let's see, in SEC play, where they're going to lose plenty, can they be entertaining while doing so? Can they get into the 30s? against some SEC defenses later on the season. Pay attention to that. A former SEC name also got a debut win last night at his new job, UCF. This one did not look good for a while for the Golden Knights. Uh, Boise State getting out to the early lead after a lightning delay. But Dylan Gabriel, the UCF quarterback, eventually helps lead the Golden Knights back to a victory there and the first one for Malzahn in his era as coach there in Orlando at the Bounce House, I believe they call it. So a lot of you remember back to 2016, and you remember that Kirby Smart was not thought of then necessarily the way that he is now. He brought a lot of energy to Georgia. He had 93K for the G-Day, and you had a lot of excitement about the former Georgia player, the UGA alumnus as head coach. But it's not like the whole world was sold that Kirby Smart was going to be a great coach for Georgia. In fact, there are a lot of columnists and and you know media types who really pushed the narrative of, are we sure Georgia made the right choice at coach when Smart was losing games in 2016 and Mark Richt who became head coach at Miami was at the, for a while at the beginning of his tenure really winning a lot of games there and it became this unpleasant comparison for Georgia for a while. Eventually Smart started winning and pushed all that to the rearview mirror and now it's to the point that people almost have a hard time even remembering that was ever true. But for a while there people were trying to talk this up of uh, uh, Georgia let Mark Rick get away. Uh, they weren't set aside 10 wins, and he's down there at Miami winning all kinds of games, and Kirby Smart's suffering by comparison here at UGA. That's the way it was talked about. Well, that was a phony narrative for Smart because it wasn't you know, very long-lived. 
But for Auburn, you better believe there's a chance this is real. I think that Brian Harson is going to struggle in year one. And I think that Gus Malzahn is set up for success at UCF. Frankly, to the extent that there are UCF fans, I'm sure they would all say they feel like they have a better coach now. A guy like Gus Malzahn, who's won an SEC championship in his past, better than the unproven Josh Heupel, who frankly didn't do that great while he was head coach at UCF, now at Tennessee. I think Malzahn is going to work out very well for UCF. Win last night, proof of that. or I shouldn't say that's proof of that, but but a step in that direction is probably the better way to say that. But as Malzahn is winning in Orlando and Harson is losing on the Plains, that is going to be a very unpleasant conversation. And the fact that the Auburn fans wanted to push Malzahn at the door will not matter. Fans are not under an obligation to be consistent with their mob mentality. The mob wants one thing one day, wants uh, another thing the next day, completely opposite in many cases. But consistency is not an obligation for the mob in college football. And you may see the Auburn mob do an about-face. It's done that a couple of times before in recent years. And it may do a big about-face in the very near future. And a lot of Georgia fans will be laughing at that once that takes place. One more quick SEC through story to get to here. On College Game Day tomorrow, broadcasting from downtown Charlotte before the Georgia-Clemson game, we have been told of a little UGA flavor for the show. Defending Cup Series champion in NASCAR, Georgia's own Chase Elliott, Dawsonville's own, going to be a part of the broadcast College Game Day saying that he's going to join this show the weekend for a special guest. Does not say if he's going to be the guest picker or not. I, I, I don't know if he is or not, but he will be a part of the broadcast. And Chase's UGA fandom credentials are well-established here. Uh, He loves the dogs, supports them heavily, and a lot of Georgians obviously love Chase Elliott because of his connections to the state, uh, really the most popular driver in the NASCAR Cup Series, and Georgians kind of helped push that to be true, much the same way his father Bill Elliott was. So if you're looking for a little Georgia flavor for college game day tomorrow, Chase Elliott will provide that. I'm really glad he's going to be on there. We'll make that your SEC through. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger, as a hopefully a fun way to kind of close out our week here, I just want to roll through a bunch of really good golden shoe submissions. Some of y'all have just outdone yourself on some of this kind of stuff, so we won't spend a long time on this, but I want to give some credit where it's due and just roll through a few of these, including this first one with us getting ready to go to Dog Nation Invasion. Uh, great job by Barkalot here on Twitter. The Dog Nation Invasion vehicle, there I am smiling and happy. You see Harry Dog. You see the Beat Clemson. Uh, good job incorporating the Dog Nation Invasion logo. This is terrific for Barkalot, and I was already really excited about Dog Nation Invasion. But, man, now I'm even more excited about that. I, I can't wait to load up into the bus tomorrow. I wish I was going in a classic vehicle like that. But either way, uh, cannot wait to be uh, on the Dog Nation Invasion bus tomorrow, heading towards Charlotte and all the fun that's going to be had the tailgate after that. And for those of you who are lucky enough to get some tickets, secure your chance to be with us, man, we're just going to have a really, really good time. And uh, I'm hoping that good time lasts well into Sunday and throughout the long weekend. We'll still be here on Monday, but for those of you who are off, hope you're ready to enjoy yourself on that. How about the next one here? Uh, Our buddy Jermaine King, and Jermaine's really good at some of his social media edit stuff. This is, I think, the first time we've had a comic strip as a part of our uh, Golden Shoe submissions, but definitely Golden Shoe worthy. So Jermaine, for those of you not watching on video, he's got me interviewing Ric Flair at the top strip here. Uh, I've got the tuxedo on, and then you've got uh, Ric Flair down there, finally ending with Flair, obviously with his UGA ties. This is uh, really good stuff all the way around from Jermaine King, a very clever comic strip incorporating me with the Nature Boy. That's always an easy win. Of course, dogs going back to Charlotte. The uh, 
you know, legendary home of Ric Flair. So thinking about Flair, certainly appropriate. And Jermaine King, a terrific, terrific comic strip themed golden shoe submission will make Jermaine King a winner today. A lot of you let me know how well stocked up you are for the weekend to come. Obviously, beverage is pretty important here. Look at Jesse Smith's refrigerator. I see the long drink uh, strong. I see the long drink zero. I see the long drink traditional. Uh, some other stuff there as well. Jesse is ready to go with plenty of long drink there in the refrigerator. Uh, I, I love to see the finished long drink well stocked like that. Good job by Jesse Smith on that. Not to be outdone. Drew Palk's also showing off his finished long drink as he gets ready to go for the weekend. Not to be outdone by that. I believe we have another. Uh, yeah, How about Jesse Smith here also? as well who from wisconsin so jesse had to have all four varieties shipped to his home there in wisconsin so he's enjoying all of that and jesse i hope you're getting ready for a, a great weekend thank you so much uh for being a part of that there as well i think we have uh yeah joel Sidney kelly who actually won the golden shoe yesterday comes back with this one now for those of you not watching on video I, i've got to describe this to you because this is truly a work of art like, if this was real, I'm scared to think how much money I would spend to buy this. It is Kendall Milton with a 1982 Topps football card. This is just amazing. Now, uh, Joel has been doing the countdown, so he did Milton you know, jersey number two with two days to go. But this kind of reminds me, like, pretty soon in the new NIL world that we're living in, you're going to have one of these card companies, you know, whether it be Fanatics who's about to take over or Tops and Panini who've been on the scene for a while. Somebody's going to do the college player card sets, and you're going to have cool designs like this of guys like Kendall Milton. Let me tell you something. I'm going to go broke once that happens. My wife's going to kick me out of the house because of all the money I'm going to spend on, you know, Georgia football cards. But Kendall Milton with the old school uh, 82 Tops motif there from Joel Sidney Kelly, who is just a pro at this kind of stuff. That is so, so good and so, so golden shoe worthy all the way around and a great way to finish off a fun week before we all go to Charlotte tomorrow. But before we get to the Queen City, we got high school football to take care of tonight. And don't forget Peachtree TV, CBS 46, Alatoona and Kennesaw Mountain. What a game it's going to be. You got an Ohio State commit on the one side. You got a uh, you know, Division One Duke commit on the other. You got juniors who are going to be earning some big offers. You got you got big time players on both sides, and it's going to be a fun time. Our buddy Rusty Manzel, Jeff Sintel, a part of that. A uh, whole host of folks bringing that to you. Petri TV, CBS 46. I'll see you there for that game. Then going to sleep for a couple hours, hopping on the bus in the morning, or rolling down the road for or up the road, I guess in this case to Charlotte. Dog Nation Invasion. We'll be live with the tailgate with you, with our friends from the Finished Long Drink, Meriwether and Tharp, Kroger and R.S. Andrews. I'll see you for the Kroger kickoff before the game. We'll show you a version of the dog walk for that. Then after the game, Terrence Edwards and me for the Dog Nation postgame show. Going to be good times all the way around. We will also remind you, 57 days from now, dogs get a win against Florida. We'll talk to you Monday, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Have a great weekend, everybody. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. I want to finish up with a couple of thoughts about this Georgia-Clemson game before we get ready to really close it out for the week and be live with you in Charlotte for the game tomorrow. And obviously one of the things that lingers here, and it's hard for me to know what to do with this because the rumors outpace the facts, you know, 10 to 1 it seems like. 
when it comes to, hey, who's available for Clemson? We know that Georgia's got its share of injury issues. Those have been well documented by now. And late in the process, there's also talk regarding Clemson. From trying to read as much Clemson news as I can, it certainly seems like you know the defensive lineman Tyler Davis could very well be hurt. Now, we don't know that for sure. That's not confirmed. And Davos Winnie was certainly revealing nothing when he was asked about it earlier. He's trying to play his cards close to the vest, as you imagine he might. Of course, while Davis is a viable asset for Clemson, keep in mind this is also a program that's very deep along its defensive line, and you know he either can lean on a you know another guy like Brian Brzee, you know more for a game like this, but also turn to quality effective backups there too. So I'm not saying Davis's potential absence from the game would be nothing, but it is certainly the kind of position where you know Clemson's got the depth where they could potentially weather that a little bit more. There's also been some talk a little bit about safety Nolan Turner. I don't really have much on that one way or another, although that's been heavily discussed. And, you know, you've heard maybe mention, oh, well, you know, Justin Ross. Like, the best I can tell, that is just a rumor, right? I mean, and this kind of stuff happens, and I don't have any reason to believe that's true. Now, I also can't confirm that it's not true. I'm not going to pretend to do that either. But, I mean, there is... For every one person citing this as a thing that is true, there are like 12 people on the Internet saying, no, that's not true. So uh, here's what I'll say about Ross. Like, if you're going to the game or watching the game thinking, well, I've been told this week that something's wrong with Ross, I think you're probably putting a false hope together on that because I don't think that rumor is likely true. But here's what I do think is likely true for Ross. We've said this a million times. But this is a guy who was only recently medically cleared. You know, the idea that Justin Ross, who was a dazzling receiver as a freshman going back to 2018, but has dealt with some pretty serious medical stuff. This goes beyond just an injury situation. If if you want to be of the belief, well, that guy's going to just slide right back on the field and be the number one target for Clemson in a game like this, I have always been of the mindset that that's likely not the case, that he might be that before the season's done. But this notion that he's going to have 125 yards and six catches and find the end zone I'm sort of assuming it's somebody else who ends up getting the lion's share of the targets thrown his way by DJ Uyunglele on Saturday. That's my uh, assumption on that. So the Davis thing may very well be real. The defensive tackle, he may be hurt. We'll find that out. Sweeney not revealing that. Sounds like in the case of Turner, the safety probably either exaggerated or just not true at all. And frankly, I think the Justin Ross thing, the best that I can tell is it's just false has gotten a lot of attention because Ross is obviously a really good player. But even if this rumor is is false, I, I have said now plenty that I did not quite think that Justin Ross was going to be ready to be Clemson's leading receiver for a game like this. So that's kind of the injury situation on the other side. Um, and I guess in the, I should say in the case of Tyler Davis, the defensive lineman, I guess the rumor is that it's COVID. So, so uh, not an injury, but COVID in the case of Tyler Davis. So We'll follow that, and we'll see how that plays out. Tomorrow for our Kroger kickoff, we will certainly have more on that, whatever might be available. So thanks for being here for our podcast, Cool Down Here Today. Check out R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com. I'm really excited about having Dari Payro from R.S. Andrews and his buddies with us for Dog Nation Invasion tomorrow. For those of you who are going to be there too, I'm excited about that as well. Wherever you are watching the game from, I hope you have a great time. Check out R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. Hopefully we're all enjoying a win for the dogs on Saturday and here back to talk about it again on Monday. It is a holiday, but we will talk Georgia football with you as per usual on Monday. So we'll see you then. Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Have a great weekend, everybody.